Well, a good Thursday afternoon, Saskatchewan. I'm Jamie Nye. This is the Green Zone. lot to get to today. As always, uh, over the next uh, four hours, we must talk about the... Uh, we got we got pictures. We got pictures about a new stadium and there's arena or district in downtown Saskatoon at TCU Place. It was interesting last week, uh, telling talking to Colin Priestner, and I mentioned a new arena. He's like, well, he could be sitting where a new one is. And it was at TCU Place, and they unveiled. This is the proposed, you know, just, see, look, look at these pretty things in downtown Saskatoon we can have if you invest the millions and millions of dollars in building a new downtown arena. But these are design concepts that were unveiled today. You can see them all. Uh, Laura Fominoff was there at cjme.com or cko.m.com. Is even a Ferris wheel? Not see that that's where it gets into the design concept stage, right? I don't know why you'd want to go on a Ferris wheel in minus 40 in downtown Saskatoon. Uh, but more to come. Uh Charlie Clark was there as uh, Laura noted, uh, as was Gord Wyant who, of course, is not going to run for re-election for the SAS party, but rumors continue to circulate over his future. And will he throw his name in the hat uh, to be the next mayor of Saskatoon? Also on the Green Zone today, we'll talk more about another player coming to Saskatchewan. Yesterday, Britain and I were okay, okay we, we, they signed two linebackers or agreed to terms with two linebackers, a defensive back, an offensive lineman, Jermarcus Hardrick, A.J. Olette. What are the needs? And Britton and I both agree. Receiver and defensive end. Rush. Pass rush. And today, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders have agreed to terms with Malik Carney. Defensive end, Hamilton Tiger Cat. Uh, he wore number five last year. He's athletic. Like, there was a few times he dropped back and was intercepting passes. And I've liked Malik Carney in the spot duty, although his role has increased in Hamilton. And he was, he might have been the first name I was talking about yesterday when it comes to a potential defensive end. So another one, another player agreed to terms. Now my eyes on receiver, American receiver. I think there may be one or two spots open there. Unless they really like Kendall Watson in year two, Jareth Stearns in year two, uh, Lipscomb was here last year. Maybe they see growth there. They signed Geronimo Allison, who used to play for the Green Bay Packers. Maybe they're going a different route to find the next receiver, but there's a few out there in CFL free agency. Of course, CFL free agency next week, next Tuesday, 11 a.m. is when all these contracts can start to be registered and completed and confirmed and news conferences will be held and Corey Mason, Jeremy O'Day will be smiling ear to ear uh, from the work they have done already this week into next week. And they're not done yet. This negotiating window goes until Sunday at 11 a.m., which is perfect timing for football people, right? Okay, we can turn off the phones now. Let's watch the Super Bowl. And then see you on Tuesday uh, to get everything locked up for CFL Free Agency. We will have you covered, myself, Britton Gray, of course, Belton Johnson will be weighing in. RCFL insider and analyst from Three Down Nation, Justin Dunk, who's been breaking all these stories this week. Uh, Dunk will be on tomorrow as a whole, just 
rehash of the week for the riders, uh, plus leading into next week, and he'll be back next week, of course, to break it all down from what he's hearing around the CFL. And it is Super Bowl week. And today we have a three-time Super Bowl champion from the San Francisco 49ers. He is a three-time Pro Bowl offensive lineman. Randy Cross will join us about those championship years in San Francisco with the Niners and what he expects to see from Brock Purdy and company as the Niners go up against the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday. Also joining us live from Las Vegas, TSN's Davis Sanchez will be here. We'll get Davis's take on what he's seeing in Vegas, as well as what he thinks will be going on on Sunday. Also, our sport business analyst, Tom Mayonek, coming up on the sport market. And we'll talk about, of course, the business of Super Bowl. But this announcement earlier this week about streaming service with sports, and this is Disney slash ESPN, Fox, and Warner Brothers. TNT on a potential, well, not a potential, on an announced sports streaming service that'll launch in 2025. We've been talking a lot about streaming. Of course we are. That is where a lot of people are moving to to consume movies, television, and now sports. And what this signals, apparently... And I can't believe this to be true, but apparently the NBA and the NFL both have agreements with these enterprises were caught off guard by the announcement of this streaming service. So we'll talk about the business down south of sports, also the business of the Super Bowl. Uh, Also here on the Green Zone today, we're going to have some more fun with another draft. I'm going to try to go 3-0. and Of course, I won the Christmas album draft when we picked the Christmas songs. Dominated, I think, was that one. A little tighter when we did our draft of the best Saskatchewan hockey team. Uh, producer Scott almost got me. Almost got me. But now today we are going to do the Super Bowl party draft. And what we are drafting is for foodies out there. The platter. What's on the menu items at our respective Super Bowl parties? And then you'll get to pick which party you would go to based on food and food alone. We also have a guest judge a little later on with us. You know who it is. It's Belton Johnson uh, who will be here. Now, if Belton listens, he'll know which party's which. But we're going to try to keep it anonymous just in case he has a favorite. And I... I know it's Britain. Um, just in case he has a favorite on who he'd want to sit down and watch the Super Bowl with. But I'm going to start with hockey. Two things tonight. Well, one thing tonight, the Vancouver Canucks take on the Boston Bruins. Uh, spoiler alert, that's going to be our game of the night. The top two teams in the National Hockey League squaring off. The Canucks leading the West. The Bruins right behind them leading the East. It's the rematch of 2011 And yes, that is being talked about by the media in Boston today ahead of this game. Uh, Just quick fact check. I don't, yeah, no, no, I don't think, no. Not a lot of players were around way back in 2011 when the uh, Bruins and the Canucks were going head-to-head on these uh, rosters uh, tonight for the uh, Stanley Cup going all the way to Game 7. 
what's interesting is there's a few members of the teams who were cheering for the Bruins and the Canucks as young, like kids in that 2011 uh, Stanley Cup final that will be on the ice tonight in this one. But also yesterday on the Green Zone, we talked about Brendan Dillon, and it came down yesterday. The National Hockey League's Department of Player Safety ruled that Brendan Dillon of the Winnipeg Jets was given a three-game suspension for his hit on Nola Chari. If you were listening yesterday to the Green Zone, let me catch you up if you weren't. Drew and I both agreed the match penalty five in a game was good enough. Like you might get a fine out of this. Because Brendan Dillon, he's a big man. He came across the ice. He's, he's not skating hard into the hit. He stops skating. He's gliding. Nola Chari's coming up the boards, and Brennan Dillon puts his arm up against his torso. He does not chicken wing like Brendan Gallagher, and he just, oh, I'm just going to run into him, and we'll see what happens. And Nola Chari does not look up. He's going full speed, and then at the last second, he dips to the inside, but as he does that, his head smacks Brennan Dillon right in the bicep. Dillon never moved that arm to chicken wing him with the elbow up or anything, and he just, I'm going to put my body in this position, and if he runs into me, that's on him, and that's what happened. And you should know this. I'm more so on get these awful hits out of hockey types. I'm not the Rock'em, Sock'em, Don Cherry, oh, this is the wussification of hockey. But in this instance, I'm like, where's the line on having a player be able to just be on the ice and be able to move his body in the way of somebody, and if momentum meets momentum, tough beans. And if this is a three-game suspension, then why didn't the guy who hit Connor Bedard and broke his jaw get a suspension? He didn't even get a fine. Did he even get penalized on that play? It was very similar. Connor Bedard dancing around, not looking up, runs into him, and, oops, broke his jaw. I was just standing my ground. And, yes, Brendan Dillon was coming across to cut him off, but I think you have to give it up to put something on Nolachari. He's got to be aware. He's going into a high-traffic area at the blue line. Dude, you're going to get hit. And he did. Three-game suspension seems way too extreme for the Winnipeg Jets' Brandon Dillon. What do you think? one 332 8255 This is the Green Zone. More coming up. And a reminder, we'll tell you, we'll update you. You want to get your name in. Tomorrow, we're telling you who's playing for $1,700 on the Green Zone Tic Tac 20 contest. This is 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. I'm Jamie Nye. This is the Green Zone. But tomorrow, the rivalry series continues. Canada and the United States. It's in Regina. Tomorrow, last night in Saskatoon, uh, just under 9,000 turned out to Sastel Center to watch a little bit of a comeback in the third period by Team Canada. 
and back-to-back wins. They were down 3 nothing in the series, now made it 3-2. We'll try to even that series 3-3 in Regina. Tomorrow night, Emily Clark had a great chance on a breakaway. I, I think she scores tomorrow. You could see in the hometown... There is some jump in Emily Clark's game last night. She's one of the fastest skaters in, in women's hockey. But yeah, she got sprung a few times uh, last night. So not in Saskatoon. Uh, maybe uh, tomorrow in Regina with the win last night. 4-2 over the United States in the rivalry series. Coming up tomorrow on the Green Zone, we will announce who is playing for $1,700 on the Green Zone Tic Tac 20 contest. It's easy to play. All you have to do, go to cjme.com, cklm.com, put your name in. If you've already done it, it's in for the whole year. If you haven't yet, we're playing for $1,700. Why wouldn't you just throw your name in, see what happens? And if you're new to the game, the way you win that money is get your name announced, one player on a Friday, And then this is Saturday games in the National Hockey League. If any game on Saturday, there's 13 of them this Saturday, any game, doesn't matter which one, any NHL game on a Saturday opens with a goal in the first 20 seconds of the first period. It's the Tic Tac 20 contest, and someone wins the jackpot, which is now $1,700. If that does not happen, which I will note, it hasn't happened yet this year on a Saturday. It has happened in the weekday games, but not on a Saturday. This is the most money we'll have ever given away on the Green Zone Tic Tac 20 contest. If they don't win, it's $1,800 next week. So register and play cjme.com, ckom.com with the Green Zone Tic Tac 20 contest. I'm Jamie Nye. This is the Green Zone on a Thursday afternoon. Uh, More coming up live from Las Vegas. TSN's Davis Sanchez will be here. Uh, also coming up, our sport business analyst, Tom Mayonect on the business and the growing business of the Super Bowl. But right now, we're going to talk to a champion, three-time Super Bowl champion. Uh, he was locking it down on the offensive line for the San Francisco 49ers in 1981 for the catch in the NFC Championship game on the way to the first Super Bowl championship, and he was snapping the ball to Joe Montana on the drive in 1989 in his final NFL game, which also was his third Super Bowl championship. Uh, Former offensive lineman, San Francisco 49ers, Randy Cross on the line with us. Randy, thanks for your time. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Now, is it true Joe Montana actually said, hey, look, isn't that John Candy on the drive in the 89 Super Bowl? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, several years later, I was playing in a golf tournament at Silverado out in Napa, and uh, John Candy was there, um, and he had gotten his pass from Terry e- uh, Ewart, who was a uh, producer at CBS, and he was standing in that end zone on the far side. He, he was standing in the end zone where we were trying to go, and I guess that's why Joe noticed him. <laughs> well, he's looking down the field. But when you look back on the three championships – uh, for the 49ers, going back to that first one, and the development of that team. How close did that group become, and how important were the leaders to keep it going all those years to win three titles between 81 and, and 89? Uh, yeah, obviously pretty close. Um, 
I, I think that's a, a tribute to the culture and the organization that Bill Walsh um, built. Everything about that football team for the better part of, heck, 20 years was about the players and making things better for the players and paying the players, you know, more than a lot of other places were willing to pay people um, for a period of time before the cap kicked in. But it was, uh, I don't know, it was the ideal work environment, I thought, and, and I really didn't appreciate it completely. Because you get a little glimpse of it when you play in the Pro Bowl and you talk to guys in the off season, you know, about what's going on with their clubs. But when I started working for CBS in 89 and started traveling the league and doing games, you know, you walk through the halls and you're in their buildings and, and you're, you're talking to the players and you're talking to the coaches and the front office people. And, you know, time after time, I'd leave these places and I'd go, wow, no wonder we had an edge over these guys. <laughs> it was... <laughs> We had, we had a different way of uh, doing business at that time, and I'm, I think I'm, I'm happy to see that they've kind of gotten back to that. Uh, former offensive lineman of the San Francisco 49ers, three-time Super Bowl champ as well as three-time Pro Bowler Randy Cross with us uh, here on the Green Zone. What is your take on the current crop of 49ers under the direction of Kyle Shanahan heading into Super Bowl 58? Uh, pretty amazing group they've put together. Um, you know, the, the smartest move that um, Jed York and the York family made, you know, several years ago now was when they hired John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, and they kind of linked them together, gave them the same length contracts and whatnot, and they've re-upped those deals, I think, a time or two since then. But um, I, I think they have really built a culture. You know, Lynch has got his background with Kyle's dad, Mike, in Denver, and at Stanford with Bill Walsh. Um, so he really appreciates some of the basic tenets that I think that built both those great organizations. And, and this team has done that. They've done it through trades. You know, the McCaffrey trade was an absolute robbery. Um, they did a great job pulling that one off. Uh, they've done it through the draft, either high in the draft or low in the draft, like Brock Purdy. Um, they've done it in free agency. They've, they've built you know, top to bottom, I think the best the best roster in the, in the league. Oh, and, and when you, I'm going to go back because they draft Joe Montana for the San Francisco 49ers, and everybody's talking about Brock Purdy being the last pick and Mister Irrelevant. But mm-hmm. Joe, when he was drafted, he was he wasn't a first rounder. He wasn't first overall. He was a third round pick. But what did you see in Joe when he arrived in San Francisco? Uh, out of Notre Dame, highly touted out of Notre Dame, is cor- of course, uh, with the Niners to become now one of the greatest of all time. Yeah, yeah, the greatest to me. Um, I, I, I think what you saw from him was from the first practice and the first snap, um, he got that offense. That offense fit him. And, you know, Bill didn't start him right away. Bill didn't just throw him to the wolves. Um, wasn't until 80 when he started full time, but you know, I, I think it was a, the perfect sort of confluence of a, a coach, an offense and a quarterback, um, that's happened, you know, in, in, in at least the last 30, 40 years of NFL history. Um, and it's perhaps started again with that Mr. Irrelevant pick and, 
and Watson's looking at the combination between, you know, the what Cal Shanahan and, and Brock Purdy seem to kind of share a brain on the field, much like, you know, you saw, you see Andy Reid and, and, uh, Patrick Mahomes or Joe Montana and Bill Walsh. It's, it's one of those things. If you're going to have a truly great team, you can't do it without that sort of relationship. Well, Randy, when you look at Brock Purdy, how much do you think he's even grown up over the last three weeks with back-to-back comeback victories as the quarterback of the 49ers when a lot of the narrative going in is, okay, get up on the 49ers and they won't be able to catch you? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's statistics. You know, you, you see that stat, and what was it, like 35 and, or 0-35 and or something? Uh, going into the fourth quarter, trailing by X number of points. And that's something for TV to run on their crawl or run on their graphic. Uh, it's not something a team, I think, really spends much time thinking about. But until you do that, until you do what they did against Green Bay and you do what they did against Detroit, um, it's, it's kind of speculation. You, you think the team can be good, but when you get down like that, that is such a huge chip to have in your back pocket if you're playing. Because, you know, I can remember innumerable times playing where you looked at the scoreboard and you went, damn, we're down 17 points. There's 10 minutes left. No problem. We're going to get the ball back two or three more times. Heck, the defense might score, but we'll beat these guys. We'll score 21 points. And dang if we didn't. It, it just it becomes such a key to your confidence being able to know you do that and you know come late in this game if it's necessary they may be able to do the same thing randy cross with us here on the green zone getting set for super bowl 58 three-time super bowl champion with the san francisco 49ers and you talked about joe in your opinion former teammate greatest of all time what do you think of patrick mahomes i think it's a lot everybody's talking about goat 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 i mean he's 28 can we wait till he's 35 before he joins the conversation the greatest of all time but where do you see him launching himself if they do win a third super bowl in five years yeah the the media in the sports world is you know whatever classic car or sports car you want to talk about um, you know, zero to zero to 103.2 seconds with no freaking breaks. Um, they they just they can't help themselves. You you you, you got to be you got to jump out there and say something that maybe nobody else has been outrageous enough to say. Um, saying something like that about Patrick Mahomes is so asinine. I can't even begin to tell you. Um, it just sometimes it's a little early i think you just gotta wait tom brady didn't hear that kind of talk until well into his career he was in his 30s before he won enough super bowls for people to start uh talking about that Patrick mahomes is a really really talented kid he's a great quarterback he can throw from any angle and any platform he has to throw from um he's lucky enough to have a coach that really appreciates his talents and is able to take advantage of his talent. I, I think the guy's the guy's amazing. He really is. He's very, very good, and he's well on his way to a you know a Hall of Fame type career. But you know we'll we'll see um, if he gets to eight or nine Super Bowls like Brady did, or you know he already can't match the numbers that Joe had, or Joe you know was four and zero and never threw a pick. But you know, we'll, we'll we'll see how he works out the rest of his career. I think there's plenty of time left to 
to crown him a goat. How hard is it? You you lived it with the 49ers, consistently great. How hard is it to do what Kansas City has done? Uh, I think it's really hard. I mean, especially trying to go back-to-back. Man, that's really tough. The Niners did it in 88 and 89. Um, Denver's done it. New England's done it. You go down the list. Uh, the hardest part about it is to put last year away. And, I mean, you got to put last year away during the off season so that when you get into the regular season or you get into the preseason and training camp and everything, it's all about that year. And credit to that goes to Andy Reid, the organization, the executives, the coaches, because that's something you emphasize. And they've been able to obviously do it really good and focus in, laser focus, um, because there's so many things, and even more these days, to distract you and take your eye off the ball. Randy Cross, three-time Super Bowl champion, three-time Pro Bowler of the uh, 80s 49ers. Uh, You go there in 81 uh, to win a Super Bowl. Your last game played was the Super Bowl, the drive uh, as uh, the 49ers go down the field against the Bengals. Uh, can you compare the, the younger version of yourself in 81 getting ready for a Super Bowl compared to the one who, uh, I don't know this, maybe the one who knew it was your last game in the 89 Super Bowl? Oh, I, I knew it was. I kind of made my mind up right after the divisional game that year against Minnesota. Um, it, it, it was It was time. And and I and I was glad that I got it off my chest at that Wednesday press conference. Um, you know, my my offensive line coach, the great Bob McKittrick, told me I was crazy, and you know, you could play three, four more years. But I I, I was ready to move on. I was ready to do other things, and um, I, I I was really really lucky. If anybody gets a chance, do it. I mean, if you can go out when you're on top. I would highly advise it. When, as a little kid, I was a voracious reader, and I used to read sports stories. And it was about, you know, Hank Aaron and Jackie Robinson and Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig and, you know, just go down the list. And so I was really up on a lot of that and how some of those careers ended. You know, and like Willie Mays' career, he didn't end up, he didn't finish as a Giant. He finished as a Met. Johnny Unitas finished as a Charger. Joe Namath finished as a Ram. Um, you just saw example after example after example. I didn't want to hold on just so I could say that I played, you know, 15 years or 16 years. I, I got all the quality and all the great fun and excitement I could possibly get out of 13 years. And for me, it was time to move on. Does it make the party that much more when you know that, hey, we won a championship? I'm done. I'm going to let loose now. Uh, but you were a young man in 81. You were still letting loose. Who am I kidding? Uh, yeah, well, in 80, 80, uh, January of 89, I was 35, and I was feeling a little older than that. <laughs> and, of course, it was in South Florida, uh, in Miami, to end it off. Well, uh, Randy, thanks uh, for sharing some stories of the uh, 80s Niners and I know you'll be uh, rooting for them against the Chiefs on Sunday. Uh, I, I imagine you're picking them to win. Yeah, yeah, I think they're going to win, and I, I think Brock Purdy is going to sort of America is going to fall in love with Brock Purdy even more than they maybe already have. 
and he's going to show just how cold-blooded he can be. I mean, like Joe and like some of the great quarterbacks, um, they have that ability to sort of perform open-heart surgery on you, hold up your still-beating heart, and smile at you, and you don't mind. (laughs) Randy, enjoy the weekend. Thanks. That is Randy Cross. Former 49er, three-time Super Bowl champion and a pro bowler uh, with Joe Montana, Bill Walsh, and the Niners. And, of course, a great broadcaster in his uh, career as well after he retired from football. Coming up next, this day in Super Bowl history on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Enbridge Farm remembers. On this day in sports history, the year was 1983, the day February the 8th, the place, the NHL All-Star Game. Curry to Gretzky in the slot, Wayne Gretzky, it scores! Mark Messi took the shot, he scores! Wayne Gretzky! Wilson in deep, centering it, Gretzky, he scores! Here comes Gretzky again with Curry, Gretzky into the slot, he scores! Four goals for Gretzky! What a joke the kid's putting on! Uh, yeah, that was a... All-star record. All four goals in the same period. Uh, Wayne Gretzky in the All-Star game. Uh, He was the MVP, by the way. And on this day, a win for short guys everywhere. Let's see what Spud picks up. This is really exciting, isn't it? This is great. Woo! And Spud Webb comes through in the clutch. 49-48. Our new... Slam dunk champion with an incredible upset, Spud Webb. Spud Webb, all five foot seven of them, wins the slam dunk contest. An inspiration for all of us under six feet tall.